for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. I'm Craig Revell. Tony Wicklock is on his way to Adelaide for the 500 this weekend. But later in the show, you'll hear from him as he spoke to both Rob Crawford and Rob Palmero from 23 Red Racing or Milwaukee Tools Racing, call it what you will, later in the show. But as we look at some of the news this week, the new CEO of Supercars will get his first taste of the role when Sean Seymour arrives at the Adelaide 500 officially for his first weekend on the job. Seymour picks up the role from James Warburton and looks into 2018 with Foxtel offering a new package for subscribers and the East Coast Bull Bars Super Utes getting their first on-track taste. We discuss the pressures on SEMA in this week's roundtable with Tom Howard from SpeedCafe.com and Adrian Mussolino from V8X Magazine a little bit later in the show. For the Utes, there'll be 10 in all on the track this weekend, headlined by a number of the old guard from the Prama Ute Series, and Dakar winner in a Mitsubishi, Toby Price. Supercars have flagged that an academy program might be on the cards in the future, with a possible test for a Dunlop Super 2 drive being one of the prizes up for offer. And finally, Supercars have approved the new operations manual for 2018, which has seen a cleaning up of the entire rulebook. The operations manual, as the name implies, sets out how the operation of running a supercars event is conducted. It also has confirmed that there will be a top 10 shootout at Sunday's ITM Auckland Super Sprint and the night racing in Sydney will feature two practice sessions of 30 minutes then a 20 minute qualifying session which will then set the grid for a 300 kilometre race. That includes three compulsory pit stops. We also talk about the operations manual more on the round table, which is right after the break. And don't forget Rob Crawford coming up with Tony Whitlock later in the show. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. And uh, on the roundtable this week, we're joined by, well, 
the award-winning journalist Tom Howard, not only Supercar Media Award winner, but CAMS Media Award winner. Congratulations, Tom. A, a nice little gong to pick up at the start of the new year. Yeah, thanks so much, Craig. It, uh, yeah, it was quite, quite a proud moment, especially not being from this country. So it was, uh, yeah, pretty nice. And I believe the first POM ever to win a CAMS Award. Yeah, yeah I know. It's uh, breaking new ground. So we may not uh, be able to do anything in the cricket down here, but we can uh, do it in other, other things. And also joining us with a new mag out now for sale ahead of the Adelaide 500, it's Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Good evening, Craig. Thanks for having me. Adrian, 20 years of the Clipsal, uh, the Adelaide 500. I wonder how many times I'm going to make that mistake tonight. <laughs> but uh, 20 years is an impressive, impressive history for Australian motorsport. And when you look at not only the drivers coming out of Adelaide now, we also have uh, the situation where media, event organisers, officials are all coming out of Adelaide. Now, I know that you're heavily involved in looking at the uh, Adelaide Grand Prix. With 20 years of history of Clipsal, is Clipsal now doing for motorsport what the Grand Prix was able to do to allow Clipsal to exist and thrive. Yeah, I believe so. As you said, if you look at the evidence, there's drivers coming from South Australia at a rapid rate, and I think there's four on the grid this weekend, which is quite impressive for such a small state and such a small capital city. And I think you only see that grow as further generations who have grown up with the Adelaide 500 will get involved in racing. That's the effect that the Grand Prix had on the likes of Nick Perkat and Todd Hazelwood and Scott Pye and Tim Slade. So it should only grow, and, and that's great for the event itself because it gives a bit of local flavour to the racing. And I don't think people appreciate, and they certainly will once they uh, uh, see the work that you've been doing on the Adelaide Grand Prix, Adrian, and that is how many people from the Grand Prix days were so instrumental in getting the supercar race up? Absolutely. It was essentially a just, you know, revitalising the Grand Prix office that formerly, you know, ran the Australian Grand Prix up until 1995. It was recreating what they did. And the goal from the day one was essentially to do what for supercars, what they did for Formula One. And the template was the same. The only thing that was replaced was the Formula One cars with supercars. But in terms of the event size and scope, it carried on from the Grand Prix. And that's why it took you know, supercars events to a new level and you've seen that replicated around the country as we saw, you know, at Newcastle just at the end of last season. Tom, event, what, Adelaide 500 number four for you now? That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, it would be number four, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's a great event. I've got to say, um, obviously, I know Adelaide from, from the Formula One days from watching it as a as a kid, and it was always a special event to watch that and get up uh, get up in the middle of the night to watch that. But um, having actually now gone and been there and seen what supercars have done done with that sort of area, it's it's fantastic. It really is. It's a really different atmosphere from any of the other events too. And um, yeah, the racing's fantastic, and the whole as the whole city gets behind it. It's just a very unusual situation for me. Anyway, definitely to see like a city just get behind something as as well as they do. And uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's uh, very much, very much it deserves its place on the calendar. Well, the SA Greens in the advertiser this week, Adrian, 
you being the local, I'll go to you, have decided that uh, the Adelaide 500 shouldn't be supported by government. And obviously no sponsor this year, but then again, no sponsor this year was going to get any traction because, as we know, it's very hard to change a title that's been with an event for so long. Absolutely. I think, you know, you're not the only one who'll be calling clips all for, you know, this season and a few seasons to come because it was just so ingrained. It, it was, you know, that for 19 years and it's hard to move away from that. And, you know, if you say to someone in Adelaide, you're going to clips all, they know exactly what you're talking about. So it'll, it's interesting now that they're rebranding around the Adelaide 500. I think that's a good move because, as you said, any other sponsor would have been overshadowed, but it's a case now of refocusing the event, giving it this, you know, core brand name that's linked to the city, and then they can go out and sell a new sponsor. And that's going to be crucial moving forward because, you know, we have Taylor Ben now on the scene. So there is going to be calls from people who, you know, might not support the race to say, well, why do we have it disrupting the city when there's this permanent facility down the road? So what's the... uh What's the mood like when we see the Greens are in election mode currently? Uh, are they the only party that's calling for an end? Yeah, that's the only sort of voice I've heard that has called you know, for it to end. But what's interesting is the you know the talk around the disruption and the traffic and you know, the competition from other events with all the arts festivals on at the moment. You know, that has been growing each year, and you know we saw a slide in crowds last year. That was, you know, linked to the absence of a Sunday concert, but you they want to arrest that slide this year and get back to some momentum going forward to sort of justify it. As I said, you know, come August when we're at Talon Bend and this brand spanking new facility, it's sort of going to raise some questions as to whether, uh, you know, the government should be spending on a street circuit when there is that permanent facility there. Tom, how do you read the tea leaves from uh, up there in Queensland where there's no shortage of people in the Gold Coast calling for an end to that event? Yeah, it's, I guess, we're, you know, as we're most people, it's, it's frustrating when we hear and see that sort of stuff because we all know, like, what it brings to, or what we, we think it brings to, to the party, so to speak. But, yeah, it would be, I mean, it would be a massive shame if anything like that was to ever happen to those events because... You get the you get the feel, and, and if you believe the tourism figures of what it does uh, from that side of things for cities and and, and thing that you'd you'd have hoped that these things uh, should should be supported by governments. But having said sort of looking looking to you know looking back to where I'm from, we don't we don't even get any government support for the British Grand Prix. So um, you guys are extremely lucky that governments do support your events because like you know we don't we don't have any support for that sort of stuff over in England. But the only reason they support it, Adrian, is because they think there's one votes in it or two revenue back to the government. Yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, the ultimate test, and that's why I mentioned the crowd figures, because ultimately that's the biggest judge of fact in terms of how the event is tracking. And so, you know, given that slide last year, they need to be seen to move forward in a positive direction to sort of rest that slide. So, you know, this does shape as a crucial event. For the for the Adelaide 500 to see, you know, does it? How does it move forward now, going beyond 20 years, and and does it have the legs to sustain itself for a long period? Tom, whilst uh, we will see how many people turn up, there will be one new face wearing a. I think they're still in white shirts this year, and uh, that is the new CEO. He kicks off his 
rain at the top of the tree this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see um, how uh, how he goes and what he has to say. Officially, he hasn't really said anything on the record yet, but having sort of had off-the-record chats with him and sort of meeting up in the paddock at the 12-hour and stuff like that, he comes across as a very um, very well-spoken and very sort of enthusiastic uh, CEO, which is going to be cool to, to experience. Not that, that James wasn't. It's just that uh, I feel like it, it's, you, know, you get quite a nice, nice feeling from him already from what he has to say about the sport, even though he's pretty new to it. So, yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be another interesting factor this weekend to see how he um, copes and what his sort of plans are for the future of the championship and what he wants to do with it. The critical thing, Adrian, is that he's coming in in a time where the series is uh, on a very stable platform, unlike Joe to come in, and he really was on a leaky boat with uh, not even a bucket. Yeah, that's true, and it is an interesting phase. And, you know, we've had a few years now with the pay TV deal, and, you know, we have had stability in terms of the technical regulations. But in saying that, there's, you know, big seismic shift with the engines coming up at the end of this year. And, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how he negotiates that while he brings the table. And, and you know, let's be honest, um, we haven't seen any new manufacturers linked to the series in a while. So, that's crucial to, for him to get up and running and start those talks and sort of really leading from the front because you know, going into 2019, we're not sure what Nissan's up to and, you know, we see more Holdens in the grid and the new Commodore and uncertainty around what the Ford entrants are going to do. So there's some big question marks around the category at the moment. Mm. One of them is an ops manual and after the break, we'll continue with our chat and perhaps talk about some of the new rules that... Uh... None of us have probably seen yet. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Adrian Mussolino and Tom Howard. Tom, I mentioned before the break the Ops Manual has been released to teams and I'm sure you got your copy of it fairly uh, hot off the press. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think we got it as soon as uh, everyone else did. So we haven't really... We're still having a look at in, in it now and sort of just going through what, what has changed. But as the, as the Supercar said uh, on the weekend, there's been somewhat 11,000 edits or changes. So there's, they've been pretty hard at work making sure that they're, they're as clear as they can possibly be. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what... Uh, what uh, is in there, but um, I haven't had a chance to properly go through it yet, but I have picked out a few little pointers that will be interesting to investigate. Adrian, the whole idea was that over the years, rules have been made and then they've had to make a rule to fix the rule. It's just like the Australian government and they wanted to start with a fresh sheet of paper and get all the rules down once in the right order. Is your feeling that is even possible or is it the case of everyone works on the edges, and the edges always have to uh, be dog-eared and moved. Well, the positive move of any attempt to simplify the rules is good because, you know, the less rules there are, the, you know, the easier they are to digest. And the, the problem with these rules, as always, is the interpretation. So as long as they're in black and white and 
you know, can easily be explained to fans and that's what really matters. And hopefully that's the case. We saw, you know, at the end of last season, there was a lot of controversy around how the championship was decided. Hopefully if there's a repeat performance, you know, supercars can clearly state this is the rule that was broken, this is the penalty and this is what happens. So, again, it's sort of a lot's going to depend on the interpretation of the stewards and, and you know, the rule makers and let's see how it rolls out. And a lot of eyes will be turning on that driver's standards advisor, Tom, who uh, is in such a uh, precarious position at the best of times. Yeah, you do feel for Craig, don't you, at times? Because he's, you know, he's sort of, you know, there's always going to be someone that's going to be upset with whatever he decides upon, which is uh, the nature of the beast. But it's a tricky role, very hard role. And like speaking to him after that final round where we actually tried to sort of explain everything to to the fans that give the you know the steward side of how the decision were made that even even when he sort of categorically said this is exactly how it was that you know you can't always appease what the fans think so um yeah this is a tough one for him it's really hard i guess but um you feel like you know nine times out of ten he's, he's the calls that are made are correct and it's not there's not a lot of uh things that actually do go right so yeah, I would say he did a very pretty good job last year. I think it was they were pretty spot on with everything that they were trying to, to achieve. And the nature of the racing is you want to affect it on the track, not off the track, Adrian, as we so clearly saw at the final round. Absolutely. And as Tom sort of hinted there, it did leave a bit of a bit of taste in some fans. Um but that's you know, that's the nature of the beast when you know, their favourite driver is you know is done wrong or sort of penalised or it's hard to appease the zone. But, you know, we do want to see the battle on track. And as great as the championship finale was last year, it was a shame that it did come down to one penalty on the final lap. So hopefully we can make amends. And that's what's exciting about this championship is it sort of continues on where it left off really with, you know, Triple Eight versus DJR Team Penske and, you know, away we go. I'm interested, Tom, uh, particularly because you wrote the, uh, or Speed Cafe wrote the story about Walkinshaw and Dreddy United not having any extra pressure. I think you go down the road to uh, DJR Team Penske and uh, there is no one there saying that when Mr Penske got involved, there was uh, absolutely no pressure to perform. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, I think Matthew was just trying to put a brave face on it, but it was, it was a question worth asking. Um, especially with Mr. Andretti in town this weekend, because no doubt that would create some more expectation and pressure, surely, on a team that has that has had. I know they've only had a sort of a, you know a few months to sort of have a look at things and try and improve for the new year. But you'd you'd hope to think, and if you were the team, that they would have some better results straight out of the box um, in Adelaide than they they did last year. So. Um, yeah, it's a big year for them, isn't it? Massive year to see whether they can sort of at least try and get themselves off the pointy end a bit more. But uh, and the new car will obviously be another factor for for not them just them, but all the holding teams. But it could well be one of those things where they those holding teams are sort of they will start on the same level with I'm trying to understand that new car. So it might you play into their hands a little bit. We'll we'll see how that works out. But um, yeah, huge year for them, and, and it'll be. Interesting to see what uh, what Michael Andretti has to say when he's uh, in Adelaide this weekend. Now, Adrian, how often do people in Adelaide uh, go to their job without a uh, some form of employment contract in place? 
Well, being Adelaide, um, I wouldn't want to guess on that. But, um, yeah, it's pretty rare, but I believe that's the case for one South Australian. Tim Slade? Uh, Surely, surely it won't be long till he has a uh, signed document. Yeah, well, I believe that just shows you know the good relationship he's struck up with Brad Jones Racing. I think he's found a happy home there, and you know it really is like a family, little family team. And um, I think that just shows how comfortable he is. And yeah, he he I can see him there for the long term. I think alongside Nick Perkett, they have struck up a good working relationship. Uh, they're both South Australians. They both around the same age, I believe. I think they're both entering their primes as well of their careers and. I think together they're you know the dark horses of this season. They'll really push each other on, and they can push that team off the grid. You know, new engines as well, and the new Holden is a sort of you know everyone's on the same starting point. So that's one to watch. And I think it won't be long before Slade and Perka are locked up by that team to moving forward, going going on you know in between nineteen and beyond. Tom, hey, you turn up to work without a uh, contract in place often. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's unusual, isn't it? Um, yeah, good, uh, interesting scenario that one. But having spoken to sort of Tim and Brad sort of towards the end of last year, they're all sort of confident a deal will be done. It's not like they're sitting there sort of twiddling their thumbs. I'm pretty sure if they want to put pen to paper, they you know they will. It's just like, I guess they're sort of just biding their time a little bit. But um, yeah, I think Adrian's spot on there. I think they, you know there's a really good relationship between those two guys and they just feel comfortable. So why why have to have to worry about something like that? But, it, uh, yeah, it could be an interesting fact. It might actually work in Tim's favour if uh, if something else does crop up. We never know. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I think I think I'm pretty sure he will be there for, for a few more years yet. Mm. I, I think this year, Tom, it's no clear indicator of who's in that back five to ten cars. Every round you could have a a different winner, although that's highly unlikely. You you would expect to see the uh, cream rise to the top, but have an off day, and you're going to be looking down a a plus twenty, may you know a plus twenty result trouble. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it always seems to get all the teams say it when you talk to them, but yeah, you have to believe it. It does get more competitive as the years go on, uh, and I think. This year, as you pointed out, it's just going to be going to be as competitive as ever, isn't it? And you look at the field, and you're like, "There's probably no real weak link in there." Um, and yeah, and especially this crop of five young rookies that will we will all be sort of eager to to impress. I think uh, I think we're all set for an absolute cracker of a season. So, Adrian, you've got your dark horses at BJR. Who are your leading lights? Well, I think it's hard to look past DJR, Kupensky and Triple A after last season, but the big wild card in that is how the new Commodore rolls out. And, you know, if that, if they need some time to sort of, you know, develop it and get it up and running, then that probably favours DJR, Kupensky and Pickford in the initial stages. But you'd expect the whole teams to be up and running with it by sort of mid-season on. So it could be a sort of bit of a balancing act in the first few rounds. But, yeah, it's hard to look past those two teams and, you know, Tickford's driving lineup is you know, pretty impressive for for all four drivers are sort of you know race winners and competitive on their day. So you know, they're three teams that should be fighting at the front, but that mid pack is just it's so hard to separate. Mm. The rookies, Tom, who is 
is your favourite for Rookie of the Year? Because it's very hard to think. We've had five new drivers in who are bona fide rookies under the, you know, haven't had a full season. And all of them have got really good qualifications. No one's uh, pulled out a checkbook out of that five. No, it's it's probably the impossible question to answer, to, to be quite honest, because you can make a case for all five. Um, so it's going to be tricky to to see. Yeah, it's going to be very hard to judge. But I, I wouldn't want to put a name to to it. But I suppose if you were, if you forced me, you, I probably would say Richie would probably get up to speed a little bit quicker, maybe than some of the others. Although he has got the the lead to set up on that car this year, which is a new challenge for him. Um, but yeah, he's got the equipment, and um, you'd think you'd, you'd imagine he'd be up there. But as you said, you could Todd Hazelwood, Anton, Steve Scully, James Golding, Jack LeBrock, they can all on their day they can all perform, and uh, we, we all know what they can do. So it's, gonna be, it's probably going to be one of the most fascinating battles of the year. I What's it mean for Nissan this year and the Kelly squad now that it's only one Kelly, the other one's going to be overseeing operations and. And uh, they're going to have three cars that are, you know, all all drivers who have got runs on the board in in their various way, plus a defending or a former champion. Uh, well, it's, it's hard to miss them because we just don't know where they're at in terms of the off track stuff, and you know, is the will there be a factory commitment to go forward beyond the season? We don't know, and. The problem with that ultimate package is it's been six seasons now and it hasn't really moved beyond that sort of, you know, on the brink of the top 10. So, you know, it's going to be tough. And I think, you know, the pressure's on definitely Rick Kelly and Michael Caruso as the lead drivers within that team to, you know, really cement their place in the top 10. And, you know, Simona Di Silvestro in her second season, she should be moving forward. And, you know, we saw what Heimgartner can do on, you know, when he, um, came into the series with Brad Jones as a co-driver last year. So it's going to be difficult for them. You know, we've got this new holding, which will get better as the season rolls on. And, you know, the Ford is an established package. So they're looking pretty isolated at the moment. And that's got to be a concern for that team. Mm. All right, uh, Adrian, t- time to put you on the spot here. Who's going to win? Uh, who's going to win Clips? Uh, uh, who's going to win the Adelaide 500? <laughs> it, it had to happen sooner or later. I think Scott McLaughlin will win the Adelaide 500. I think the Ford, um, it's been there, it's done that. It's, you know, an established package. The Holden teams might need some time. And I think after last season, he'll come out all fired up. And um, I think he's the one to beat this weekend. All right, then, Tom Howard. Unfortunately, I completely agree with Adrian. Uh, and that's a boring answer, but... Yeah, you, you've got to you've got to feel that that's that's where it's going to come. I think. It's having spoken to Scott, he's you know he's had a great off season. He's um, feeling pretty refreshed, and he's now sort of settled into that team now. And you've, the impression you get is he's going to come out as he said, as Odin said, he's going to come out all guns blazing, and he's going to going to show us the way. But um, yeah, it's a boring answer, but I reckon Scott McLaughlin. And interestingly, uh, Richard Crail on Inside Motorsport this week when we were talking about uh, the race, brought up a very interesting topic or very interesting uh, observation that now they're the first pit bays out. He was doing those qualifying laps when he had to uh, get out in the middle of the pack. He's going to be out on clean track right from the get-go. So, uh, you know, I don't think anyone thinks that he's going to get 16-plus P1 
polls this year, but, gee, he's got everything in his favour for it, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and I keep thinking, I've been writing a lot about 2018 at the moment, and I keep thinking back to 2013 and the first season of Car of the Future in the VF Commodore. And what you saw in that season was all the Holden teams started from the same point, so they were taking points from each other throughout the early stages of the season. You know, one weekend was Brad Jones racing, getting the wins, the next was Gary Rogers Motorsport, Triple Eight took a bit longer to get together. And I can see that happening again this season. And if that's the case, then it sort of gives DJR Team Penske a bit of an advantage in the championship because, you know, McLaughlin's the leading light in that team and he should be getting a lot of those points early while the Holden teams fight amongst themselves. So he can sort of get a bit of a buffer going in the first half of the season and then try and, you know, hold on to it as the year goes on. Mm. It is going to be an interesting one. Uh, Adrian, I mentioned at the top of uh, the round table that you have a new magazine out, and uh, fair enough, you should get a gratuitous plug before we go. Yeah, it's the uh, 2018 season preview edition of VNX, and it's got all the driver profiles, team profiles, event guides, and basically everything you need to follow this season. So um, make sure you grab it for this weekend. Is it a historic edition of VNX? Uh, every issue is a historic one once you put it together. So, uh, yeah, let's go with that. All right, then. Tom Howard, of course, we can read all your writings uh, online at speedcafe.com, and I know you've got a, a huge weekend ahead of you with uh, so many stories that are going to rock up over the four days of the Adelaide 500. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Craig, and thanks for having me as, as ever. It's always good to join you guys and talk. So, um, yeah, thanks for the, for the option. And thanks to Tom Howard and Adrian Mussolino. After the break, Tony returns with Rob Crawford from 23 Red Racing. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to take the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're talking with Rob Crawford, team manager at Red 23 Racing. Rob, good afternoon. Um, This was... uh You've been doing GT most recently, and uh, you may had the offer from Phil Monday, obviously, to come and uh, start a, what is essentially almost a Greenfield team. Yeah, that no, was uh, great to have the offer from um, Phil and Cameron, and um, it's a great opportunity to start something from the ground up, and um, we're excited to work with Will again. Right. You were, of course, at HRT with him in the, uh, what was it, the 05-06s, something like that? Uh, 09 oh. to, I think, 11. Right, OK. Um, and, of course, uh, your first time on Falcons, it would it be? You've been on Nissans? Uh, yes. So, yeah, so the first time working with Morton. Um, great opportunity to work with special, you know, alongside uh, FPR or ProDrive, Tixit, whatever they want to call themselves these days. And they do go through the whole... Yep. Yeah. So, no, it's... Um, 
to work with them and very professional outfit they are. And, and you're setting up the workshop in Kilsyth? Uh, yeah, uh, predominantly um, I came in sort of mid-January and most of 90% sort of, of the workshop had already been uh, completed. Right. I felt, and um, so it's really just finding up a few loose areas we've got. I've spoken with Rob early this morning that uh, you had a successful test in terms of going through the things and obviously limited by tyres and, and some such things, But and Will and Rob yourself learning the new car. Yeah, it was a successful test and um, just to go on Will in to the car again and obviously it's a little bit different from what he's been driving previously. Yep. Um, so he, he sort of back in and um, enjoyed himself. Okay, and one of the other things you've, uh, obviously is an important part of where every race is a pit stop race, is your blending with Charlie Schmerkholz guys. I imagine you'd know most of them pretty well. Yeah, no no problems at all. I mean, it's, um, I work with Jeff. Oh, of course, yes. He's manager yep. for many years and um, have a great rapport with Jeff and, um, and also Robin Kaloshi, who I... Um, had the pleasure of working with at HRT for many years, and um, we've been practicing our pit stops together um, down at uh, Red Twenty Three Red. Yep. And um, it's been coming along great. So uh, they're a very professional bunch of guys, and very dedicated, and want to want to get the pit stops down to a fine art, um, like we have to do if uh, if we're going to go any good. Yeah, indeed. Now, um, with the one exception being an endurance driver, which is obviously a decision made, it doesn't need to be made tomorrow, but you've got some time, that one's the only part of the equation left to uh, sort out, really? Uh, you would have to talk to Phil on that. I think he's got a few ideas. And, right. Um, um, yeah, so he, he, he's looking after that. All right. So I don't really know. Well, thanks very much, Rob Crawford. Um, been around this business for a, a fair few weeks, and uh, I'm sure you'll make your impact again at the new team of Red 23 Racing. So thanks for joining Inside Supercars, Rob Crawford. No worries. Thanks very much. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at the Freeway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars. I'm here with uh, the uh, newest engineer back into the paddock and that is uh, Rob Palermo who is on the car 230 of Will Davison's at uh, Red 23 Racing. Rob, welcome uh, on board Inside Supercars. Thanks, Tony. Uh, a worthwhile day? Uh, yeah, certainly a worthwhile day. Um, the, the setup uh, for the Tickers uh, uh, Racing Supply Falcon is um, got a different style that uh, we'll have to readapt to compared to the cars you've driven uh, previous years. So definitely a worthwhile day to get uh, back in the groove to drive these vehicles uh, um, the, the way they got it. 
Now, Will, of course, spent a couple of years at FPR, um, so he's uh, slightly used to it, albeit he's been in a triple eight car for the last few years at Techno. Have you been involved with a Tigford or a uh, FPR Falcon before? No, this is the uh, first time I've been involved with a Tickford um, supplied vehicle. Um, they're, yeah, it, it's, it's a, they're nice cars, they're simple cars. Um, to some I've uh, been involved with, uh, but nothing, um, there's no mystery about them. They've got a certain way they uh, like the car set up and be driven, which is um, no different to um, other teams uh, with other vehicles. Now, you probably had a fairly long sheet of things you wanted to try and test. Uh, did we able to get through it all? Uh, we, we got through the majority of it. It's a very hard day because uh, the track is so hard on... Uh, tyre wear, um, so we were limited to what we had uh, to use um, in terms of good quality uh, tyres, um, and it was, it was difficult to get a read on some things. Um, the car was good out of the box, which was uh, uh, positive, yep. and there was a lot more positives than negatives that came out from the end of the day's running, um, but uh, certainly um, more time in the car and playing with the car a bit more would have been of uh, Greater benefit to do with what we got for now. Um, am I right in thinking that you didn't bolt on a green set at the end of the day? Uh, no, no, we did bolt on a green set. Right. Um, yeah, um, with a, probably three quarters of the majority of the field. Right. Um, but um, we will still getting um, the feel for the car with more grip and um, a bit more seat time, a bit more um, adjustments on the car. and we're confident that we've got a uh, competitive uh, car to run uh, close to the front of the field, if not with um, the PRA cars or ticket cars. Right, okay. And of course, the other part of the new thing is for you uh, moving out to Kilsyth um, in terms of the new workshop. That, that's all working okay? Uh, it is. Um, like, I haven't, hadn't been to the old premises for quite some time. Yep. Um, so the guys are still. Doing some finishing off some um, last minute touches, but it is working well. Good, good. Um, the other part of the new equation, of course, is well, your location unfortunately is the back end of the pit lane, the very last car in pit lane, is that correct? Uh, that is correct, yes. Yeah. So, and you're sharing a boom with uh, Preston Hire or uh, Charlie Schwerkolt? That's correct. And so, uh, last Friday was the first time you had that chance to uh, work together? Uh, yes, it was. Um, I, uh, I didn't really get too involved with uh, what they were doing. Um, uh, there's a couple of guys on the team that have worked, um, worked with them in the past. So, um, but it's uh, the guys have been uh, working on pit stop practice um, uh, over at our uh, factory um, during the week. So it all seems to be going well. All right. And, of course, Rob Crawford is team manager. You've worked with him before? Yeah, I worked with him at uh, Nissan uh, Motorsport. Yep. And uh, he's a very good uh, managerial, gets jobs done, um, puts out the fires. Um, he's very good in that process. And um, yeah, that was one of the reasons why I uh, came back on board was uh, with Rob in charge. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, Rob. Well, I certainly look forward to catching up with you in Adelaide and uh, watching the climb of uh, Red 23 up the uh, success uh, charts. It's obviously an incredibly uh, competitive series. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're looking forward to working with uh, Rob and Phil and, and Will. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 
it must be uh, something to, to joy to come back into such a all-greenfield sort of operation. Oh, look, it's certainly um, it's enjoyable to get back into it, um, but you know, by no means is it going to be a walk in the park. Where we fully understand that. Um, we'll get the best job we can get done and um, see where we are. All right, wonderful. Um, did you uh, happen to notice that the Holdens were in real trouble with their front bars? I mean, obviously there was a couple of failures. Um, I was too busy to uh, yeah, yeah. working on what we had to work on. And, uh, yeah. It seems like an inspired move by Brad Jones Racing to uh, go to Phillip Island to get theirs a little bit better worked out for the day. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah. It was. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rob Palermo, for joining us on Inside Supercars. We'll catch up with you in Adelaide. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. A final thought now, and we did hear from Tom Howard and Adrian Mussolino on their thoughts. Who will win this weekend, the Adelaide 500, both going with Scott McLaughlin? I've got a feeling it's Garth Tander. Tony Whitlock will join us next week on the show where we're going to be looking at officialdom once again. Also, my thanks to Rob Crawford and to Rob Palmero. We look forward to seeing how 23 Red performs on the circuit this weekend. Until then, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.